Hello, welcome to another episode in the You're My Comzero podcast, and I'm your host, Asif Chowdhury. Today, my guest is Nusheen Hack, communications specialist based in Manchester. Nusheen has over 10 years' experience of working with a variety of brands and organizations using PR and digital marketing to drive engagement, growth, and brand value across a multitude of private and public sectors. So thanks for joining me, Nusheen, and it's great to welcome you as a guest on the podcast. Hello, and uh, yeah, thanks for a great intro, Asif, um, and yeah, also thanks for having me here. Looking forward to it. So before we get into our topic, which is going to be an interesting one, and I'm not going to lead into that yet, so we're going to find out a bit more as we go through the questions. So let's get to know you a little bit more, Nusheen. So I've got a few quickfire questions. So let's start with an easy one. We're recording this whilst um, in the month of Ramadan, so... Uh, are you an early riser or do you love a lie-in? No, I'm definitely an early riser. So um, I feel like my day is incomplete if I'm not out uh, out of bed by at least eight o'clock on the weekends or days off. So I like to have the whole day um, to do what I need to. I just feel like it's a waste otherwise. Um, so, yeah, but that's something that's developed over time. <laughs> No, I think I think that's that's the same with most, and and with the reference to Ramadan is obviously um, waking up at four o'clock or three thirty to four a.m. and then trying to have the battle of going back to sleep again to get up at eight or whatever time normally you'd get up. So, okay, let's move on to um, are you a Twitter or Instagram? I am definitely Instagram. So. Um, yeah, I've never really been into Twitter, to be honest. I feel like there's a lot of social channels, aren't there now? So it's like picking one that you're kind of more familiar with. Um, but yeah, Instagram, definitely. Um, yeah, I do prefer that. Okay. and uh, But you, you're also active on LinkedIn as well, aren't you? So you prefer I that am. channel? I am, yeah. So um, it's a bit funny, LinkedIn. I started it off when I was quite junior in my role. And then I decided to just get rid of my LinkedIn completely at some point in my career. Um, so over the last kind of couple of years, I decided to basically log back on and create a new profile. Um, so I've been quite active on that. Um, and I genuinely do believe that it's a great way to um, just network with people, like manage people in your kind of yeah. career um, sector. Um, and also it's great for job opportunities. So a few times, like I've had interviews lined up through it. So I definitely recommend LinkedIn for anyone who's starting out or also in their career as well. Good stuff. And uh, are you a sweet or a savoury person? Oh, that's a tough one. Well, seeing as I went to the dentist over the weekend who gave me gold stars <laughs> um, and asked me <laughs> if I'd ever had any sweets, which I have a really bad sweet tooth. So I've got a little one, a five year old, and um, I'm quite conscious of this. And I basically restrict her to her treats just on the weekends. Um, so because of that, I have to be a role model as well now. So, um, yeah, I try to stick to that as well. But definitely more sweet, I think. Yeah, I admire your discipline. Uh, I admire it from afar because I'm completely, I'm definitely sweet on that one, sweet person. Uh, so do you, as an early riser, do you prefer day or night? Just in general or just like? Yeah, just as a time of day, you day, day person or do you come alive? And I know so many comms people who seem to, they say they come alive at night time and they have their best ideas and they do their best work. Okay, well, I'm going to show my age now. So, um I would say I used to be um, an evening person, but I think as life goes on and you begin a family life and you've got your career and things sorted, you end up becoming more of an early riser. So I do appreciate that morning when it's like quiet and quite peaceful. 
we went to, it's really funny, we went to a Jimmy Carr concert um, not so long ago and it got to 10 o'clock and me and my other half were like literally yawning, like we were ready to just, yeah, be asleep. <laughs> so definitely early risers. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you for sharing some of those uh, insights into you, Nusheen, and I'm sure the listeners will have got uh, to know you a little bit more as well, as indeed I have. So we're going to be talking about... Um, you and your career and we're going to be touching on DE&I so I'm going to go straight into the first question so can you tell us about your experience of DE&I while working as a comms professional in the corporate world? Yeah so I would say that my experience has been quite different in each kind of um, role that I've had and been I've been quite fortunate that I've moved around quite a bit because I do love short-term contracts um, and I would have to say that DE&I unfortunately can be used as a bit of a buzzword sometimes in a lot of places. It becomes a bit of a tick box exercise where I feel like organisations haven't really got it right, but then are afraid to, if that makes sense. Um, it becomes like a way of like attracting talent almost, because if you've got a DE&I policy, then that looks quite great yeah. for candidates who you know are applying for roles. Um, so I'll give you a bit of an example. Um, worked for an organisation and they were really big on the DE&I, like they had a person in the role kind of really leading it. They would take out a whole week every year where you know there would be lots of training opportunities for all colleagues and they would have to participate in these activities as well. Um, and you know it was all about nurturing talent, female talent, um, and yeah just getting them to the next step but unfortunately um being like a South Asian and also a female I didn't feel connected in that role I felt like there was too much going on um and they, they weren't really trying to find out from colleagues what colleagues were after like actually employees within the organization um where I feel like that's really important like you need to be asking your workforce what's important to them you know what kind of activities do they want to um, see take place or participate in in terms of like creating a bit of an allyship and that educational um, aspect to it as well, rather than just having a policy in place. Um, so, I mean, in my current role right now, it's very different. Um, you know, the organisation is quite starting out with a DE&I journey, but it's all about just trying to figure out and understand what employees want as well. So I think that's really important. Um, so, yeah, it's been different in each kind of role, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, there's an assumption that, everyone knows what DE&I stands for. Do you want to just tell the listeners what it does actually? What's the acronym stand for? Yeah, so um, it would be diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, so I think it used to be DE&I for a lot of the times, but that equity part is definitely very important as well. So I think that's what um, that's what, what that's what it stands for. But it's different to everyone um, yeah. from like different communities and backgrounds. So for me, like it's really important to be able to feel comfortable to be South Asian because that's who I am. That's my identity. That's my culture. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, sometimes, like I said, organisations just don't get it right. So this this role that I was talking about, you know, every role that I go into um, is usually Ramadan. And I love to like talk about it. I love to educate my colleagues yeah. about what it means um, because a lot of people don't know what it means. So I'm, usually, you know, people are open to understanding and listening about, you know, what is fasting? Like, why do you fast and not eat or drink for, you know, so many days in a month? Uh, what's the end kind of goal? Like, why do you do it? So yeah. I wrote a blog, um, but apparently like the blog didn't go with the theme of the uh, internal platforms. So I wasn't able to publish it, right. end, which I like felt a little disconnected with. And I saw you've got this, you know, policy, you've got this singing and dancing kind of week that you have, but then why are these little things missed out? Because those kind of things are what essentially make up your policy and the people in your workforce and it's connecting people right it's talking about different kind of cultures and also what people are doing outside of work it's not just about what you're doing at work um like what makes people important 
Yeah. So you've talked, I'm going to go on to um, stereotypes. And can you just tell us a, a bit more about any stereotypes that you've faced in your career? Yeah, definitely. So um, I would say like early on in my career, so fresh out of uni, um, I basically felt um, I felt a little like as though um, I was being discriminated against. I didn't realise it at the time, but I did afterwards, um, like later on in my career. Like I had basically a few senior leaders who were female and they would use terms like the pretty one, which um, caused me a lot of anxiety at the time. Um, and it was quite early on and I wasn't expecting it. I was fresh out of uni, really excited about this role. Um, and I feel I feel like I was stereotyped, like there's nothing wrong with putting makeup on. There's nothing wrong with being glamorous when you're going into work or even at home and when you're working from home. Um, and I felt like that was kind of, yeah, that, was, that wasn't great for me. That wasn't a great experience. Um, but fortunately, experiences like that have made me really stronger. So now if I see those kind of behaviours happening, I'm quite strong enough to call, um, call those behaviours out. Um, when I'm you know speaking to peers or even managers um, I think sometimes we can use words which we feel may not cause any harm but they can do so you've just yeah got to be able to have that conversation with people I think. Yeah do you think there'll be other people who've faced exactly the same thing as you've just described there? Yeah definitely I've got friends who've gone through similar things but unfortunately I think when you're quite junior you're a little um, like you don't really want to you know raise anything or kind of rock the boat if that's the term to use um because you're there you're trying to impress you know you're starting at your career you're quite fresh-eyed and you know this is going to be great and you don't actually realize what is happening it actually took somebody else a colleague a manager actually who could see what was happening um and they actually ended up placing me in their team um and moving me away from the environment so I was really lucky in that scenario, but I'm pretty sure there's people out there who haven't had that, you know, haven't had somebody kind of pull yeah. them out, almost using a rope and placing them elsewhere. And I feel like if I didn't have that at that point, like my career would not have nourished because I had to take two months off work with stress. And I had to go through the whole, you know, tribunal um, kind of process, which was really stressful um, at that time. Yeah. Um, but as every experience, it makes you stronger. But I think there's definitely people out there who do experience and can experience similar things. And I would always say like, you know, look to your support network um, and try to speak to somebody about it. Like, don't just keep it inside of you. Even, even if, you know, it could just be, um, you know, you someone's basically um, said something that's upset you, but they didn't mean it like that. So it's all about just talking about it, communicating and um, helping the person to understand why you may have been offended by something that they've said uh, or made yeah. you feel in a certain way. Um, and then just, you know, talking about it and, yeah, understanding and moving on from that scenario. A lot of times yeah. we brush things under the carpet and we think oh, we'll be okay. But if anything, I think it impacts your like mental well-being. Um, I'm, I yeah. have like I had a lot of inner critic at that point in my career, like quite early. I would always, you know, second guess myself, um, and it used to trigger me quite a lot. So it's it's a learning process, isn't it? And I think it depends at what point you are in your career as well. Yeah. So you mentioned that inner critic, and that that to to many people, the term imposter syndrome is quite prevalent now in various. LinkedIn and Twitter conversations and um, so do you think you've ever suffered from imposter syndrome? Oh definitely um, yeah definitely I have done but one thing that gets me through it would be my faith like I when I'm praying um, like that really helps me it just really centers me as a person and really helps me to appreciate everything and 
I think like a lot of the times we just end up overthinking scenarios or situations. So, for example, like if um, I've been given a task to do, like even now at this point, if I've been given a task to do and I'm not you know, familiar with it or feel a little uncomfortable, my inner critic will start, you know, getting out the way in my yeah. head. And I'm thinking, oh, I might not be great at this. And I just take a step back. And it's nine times out of ten, like I'm great at what I'm doing and everybody is great at what they are doing. It's just, I think, stepping back and just reanalyzing the whole situation rather than just getting caught up. Um, with your kind of thought process yeah so I think it's like I said it's definitely been mentioned quite a lot and imposter syndrome is something that people are being asked and um, there's lots of there's there's tons of content on um, on the internet about it anyway so it's it it, and it's you know great that you're you're happy to to share that because I'm sure there is that in in all of us basically and uh, it's kind of addressing that being self-aware that's the first probably probably the first part of actually dealing with the situation and dealing with that imposter syndrome so you talked about things that affected your mental health so what do you do because that is is huge within with any profession but we're here specifically comms here is 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 a comms community so and and that's really important so you mentioned faith is important for your well-being are there any other things that you're doing that, that help you with your well-being yeah um so also working out um i think just taking 10 minutes of uh, a walk or a form of exercise or anything away from away from your computer away from your screen like i feel like over the last kind of couple of years unfortunately due to the pandemic like we've become so glued to our screens that yeah. it happened to me like i was literally just skipping my lunch breaks and just working 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 and it was impacting me in quite a way where I was getting stressed out um, and I wasn't realizing it um but in the last year what I've done is I've been quite strict with just putting that time out in my diary like blocking it out completely every day um and I'll use that time to go for a walk or just you know go for a run or do a quick 10 minute spin bike session or a you know a quick pilates or yoga yeah. or something just to switch off and it just helps you focus so much at just taking that time out I used to think that Oh, you know, once you get a bit more um, senior in your role, like, you know, everyone skips their lunch breaks, but it shouldn't be like that. Like, I think your well-being should be a priority and whatever task you're working on can wait. And if anything, you'll probably taking that break will help you focus a lot more when you're coming back to the task or, you know, the meeting or whatever you've got planned um, in your work diary. Yeah, and I think there's some some good advice and people will probably be uh, nodding in agreement as they listen to to that point and everyone find your own um time out whatever whatever it is that gives you that escapism from from the day to day because as you said machine very rightly the last two years during the pandemic have been very intense for yeah. you know lots of people but in comms specifically that constant um screen time and teams meetings zoom meetings attending webinars etc a lot of training now uh, during the pandemic was done uh, over uh, those digital channels as well and for those comms people who are managing digital channels there was very little time to have breaks from screen so it's really important people do remember to do that so um yeah. you know what what do you think you know what can people and employers what can they do to encourage more conversations around um de and i now and become allies then um so i would say like just talk to your workforce um and also it it's not up to senior leaders and just you know like they say the c-suite to like make that decision on what should be discussed in terms of your de and i policy 
everyone should have the opportunity to come forward and shape that policy in your workplace. Um, so, yeah, I think communication is like re really key. Um, it shouldn't just be down to like HR professionals in the organisation either. It could be anyone um, who wants to be part of the working group or, you know, wants to contribute to that. Um, asking questions. I think that's a big form of like allyship. Like I love it when somebody asks me about anything to do with my culture. Like I love talking about it, like Ramadan or Eid. Um, you know, it helps me to feel like I belong um, in that environment, in that workplace. So ask questions, like be curious. Um, I feel like that really helps people um, feel like they are part of a community who are from different kind of backgrounds. Use inclusive like language, um, you know, self-educate. There's so many platforms that you can use now just to find out a bit about your colleagues and your team. So, you know, you use those platforms. Um, and yeah, it, I think it's really positive when people people do that um amplify like voices like if you feel like someone's not being heard in a meeting you know raise your hand um I'm sure that colleague would really appreciate it um and just you know lean into have like learn to have difficult conversations sometimes organizations will not get it right but it's all about just communicating and understanding and then moving on from that instead of just being defensive um, and thinking that only leaders have the answers because that's not the case um, so it's opening up that conversation to everyone. Um, and, you know, I'm not a DEI expert, but just, I guess, being South Asian is quite important to me in each organisation that I've gone to more now than it was before a couple of years ago. Um, I would say, like, start off by doing a bit of a, a data analysis, like find out who makes up your workforce. Like if you can send out a survey and from there, like try to understand, you know, which moments are you going to celebrate um, for your employees? You know, which dates in the calendar are important that make up your organization so I think it's different for each place it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of approach yeah and some good advice there because it's a you know it's an internal comms job that isn't it really to 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 promote that so that's how companies can um uh, you know uh, encourage the conversations and become allies so what advice would you give then to to anyone uh, who has gone through or is actually going through um, the challenge is similar to what you've described already? Um, so the advice that I would give would be just to be yourself. I feel like it took me quite a while to be comfortable with who I was, like not everyone's going to be like you and it's okay to be different. Um, and also, um, you know, we're only human. There's only so many hours in the day. I feel like we rush, rush, rush all the time and we forget to just step back and take some time for yourself. Like it's not selfish to do that. And again, that's something that I've learned over the last year. It's, it's that self-awareness journey. I think when you start aligning your purpose and your values and what those values mean to you, do they line up with where you are working? Um, you know, for your well-being, that is what will help. Um, like, and I've mentioned earlier, like I've been quite fortunate to have people in my support network who've thrown me out almost a rope, like each time I've been struggling. So whether that was early on in my career when, you know, I wasn't sure if I what I wanted to basically do out of school. Um, you know, while I faced a bit of discrimination early on in my career as well. Um, all these different times, like I've had someone there to support me. So always look out to your support system, people who help basically people who um you feel like you can be yourself around. Um, because it's not very often that you find those people, I guess, in your support network. And whether that's a colleague or a friend or a family member. Um, yeah, and also you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, but, you know, as some advice that someone's given me recently, and it's okay. Like sometimes you will, you know, get on with someone like a a house on fire is a term, or you know, you may not, but that's okay. 
you know you don't have to be liked by everyone again something that I've probably learned a bit later on in my career but that's okay yeah I suppose that who doesn't want to be liked but you, you've got to kind of take that into context that sometimes a face doesn't fit um, and it's yeah. nothing uh, you know I see it a lot in sales and that but it just it's just one of those things and I suppose you develop a thick skin as the the more experience you gain and the, the more you go through your career so and you've you've had quite a journey there in terms of having to build your confidence and courage so you know there must be some tips that you can share for the listeners in terms of how do they, how do they go about doing that how can they learn from your experience in building confidence and courage um I would say experience is everything like that's how I have built it but um something that's really helped me over the last year is having a career coach so I don't know if I can name drop but somebody that I met over a couple of years ago please do like, name drop away so I would say Advita Patel, like she's literally just been so helpful in the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, she messaged me about A Leader Like Me, which is a community that Advita um, basically runs a few years ago. And the message sat in my inbox in LinkedIn. And then I just happened to, like, respond to it a year after um, and joined A Leader Like Me. And I was so grateful to have a community full of people who I could really, like, see myself in. So all this time I'd been thinking I'm the always the only South Asian in these corporate places. Like what is going on? There yeah. must be other comms professionals. And I used to think, oh, I don't need to network. Like you don't need to do any of that. But joining a leader like me, like really helped. Having Advita as my kind of coach over the last kind of year has really helped me nourish as well. So if you're looking to up your yeah confidence and that's something you really want to work on, then I would definitely recommend just finding somebody who's able to help you um, with that. It's just bouncing those ideas off and it's that self-awareness journey um, that is really valuable. You know, I remember when I joined a leader like me and the first question was, you know, what is your purpose? And it's taken me two years to understand what my purpose is. Like, I was like, what yeah. does that mean? Like, what kind of a question is that? A purpose? Like, I don't know. My purpose is to be a mom. My purpose is to be a wife. My purpose is to work. Like, I didn't understand. But I'm understood now. My purpose is to inspire people. So I love, like, inspiring people through storytelling or through my experiences. Yeah. You know, even if that's just helping a few, like that just means so much to me. So, yeah, that's what I would do. Oh, fantastic. And I'm sure there'll be there many listeners who are inspired by the, the journey and the uh, things that you've suggested and the tips for them as well. So that you want to inspire people, but, you know, what or who inspired you to, you know, go and start a career within the comms industry? Um, there wasn't anyone in kind of comms that inspired me and I feel like I got into communications um, as a bit of an accident so after I left high school like I didn't do too well in my GCSEs because I'm not really good at exams like I'm more of a practical person coursework so I ummed and odd, moved courses around a few times and then ended up like basically taking this BTEC in media studies which I absolutely loved like I think I got the highest marks you could possibly get because I just loved it so much like yeah. all the practical work and something that's inspired me um, and still inspires me now or even motivates me is my uncle. He had a conversation with me and he was saying his, his exact words. And I always think about this in my low moments, but also um, in my high moments as well. He said, what are you going to achieve with studying media? Like nothing's going to happen. And unfortunately, I feel like in South Asian communities, like there's yeah. a perception you must study law or accountancy um, in order to be successful and have a career. And I feel like I've had that in the back of my head and I've, I've just said to myself, I'm going to prove him wrong. And I have. I mean, laugh and joke about it now. Um, but that's something that's really fueled my motivation, I guess, over the years. Um, I've got friends who have done law and accounting and, you know, they love it. But 
that wasn't the route for me. And it's okay to be unconventional. I, I always laugh about being the black sheep in the family, but it's okay to be so because you're going to inspire somebody else. Like I've got lots of family and friends now who are quite younger than me and they look up to me for advice. And that's really nice to be able to share my experience with them. Yeah, brilliant. It's really different. No, that's good. It's a really nice story, that. So it, in terms of community, you know, you're part of Comms Hero, the community there. So why is Comms Hero important to you? And would you recommend people working in comms and marketing to be part of it? Yes, I definitely would, because I think it's just so inspiring hearing all of the different stories from um, the guests that you have, um, the community, because we've all got a story to tell. And I feel like sometimes there's a bit of a perception that, you know, oh, people have just landed a role or it's just happened. It hasn't. There's a journey that everyone's gone through. And no matter what you're experiencing right now, there's somebody else also experiencing what you've gone through or would have done at some point in their career. Um, so for inspiration and yeah, for inspiration, really, I think it's really important um, to have comms here. No, thank you for sharing that. It's always nice to hear that the community is doing, serving a purpose. You talked about purpose before, you know, celebrating, celebrating the hero, heroics that comms people perform every day because um, I tend to find over certainly my career that comms people are, are inherently brilliant at celebrating the heroics of campaigns and other colleagues um, within the organisation, but very rarely find time to celebrate their own heroics or even are too modest to do that so the community is all about making sure that comms people do remember that they're doing a great job and don't be afraid to shout about it so it speaking of community you know i want people to connect with you nasheen and i'm sure there'll be many people who are inspired by this podcast so how can they find you where will they where will they be able to find you on social so um, I think primarily on LinkedIn, um, you know, you can search for my name. I'm more than happy to connect with people um, and, you know, have a conversation if anybody wants one. Um, but also, um, yeah, I'm more, I'm more used to, I think, being on the other side of the mic. As if so. <laughs> I'm also yeah. starting uh, at the moment, just in the midst of like launching my podcast. So I guess people can connect with me on Instagram as well um, at VTS Nosheen. So that stands for like behind the scenes with Nosheen. So I'm um, hoping to inspire some people uh, from the South Asia community with some of the guests that I'll have lined up. So can definitely connect with me on Instagram as well. Excellent. And I will make sure I'm become an avid listener to that podcast <laughs> as well. So you will find this podcast on Spotify, Apple and on our website, comshero.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at comshero. And if you do listen, please do leave a rating and review, which you can do both on Spotify and Apple. And this episode is sponsored by Blink, the world's first enterprise app designed exclusively for frontline workers. And for more details, visit their website, joinblink.com. So Nasheen, thank you so much for your time and, and, and being so upfront and authentic with your story and I, I'm pretty sure there'll be people who have listened who will be inspired so thank you very much. Thank you for having me, it's been great.